Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. It's, uh, and I say this every week, and I truly, truly mean it. It has been a, it has been a privilege to be uh, with you all during these uh, weeks as, as you're in this time of transition. And uh, don't take this the wrong way, um, but it'll be a great thing for me when I don't have to, to, to come and be with you all. Not, not that there's anything wrong with you all. You all are wonderful you are great, you are awesome, but uh, in that time that you will have uh, your pastor who will be up b- before you, and um, I look forward to that day as I, will, as I know many of you uh, do as well, and, uh, and uh, there are things about doing interim work that I love. I love going and seeing the different churches on our district and other districts, and Though we share the same name, there's a lot of differences in how we do things, and, and uh, there are a lot of differences with the people themselves, and I always like to, uh, to meet uh, new people. I don't know if they like to meet me, but I like to meet uh, new people, and uh, I love that opportunity uh, to do that. And there's some downfalls, because in the interim process, there's always that moment when it comes to an end, and if you've been in a church long enough, um, even though they kind of advise against it, uh, relationships begin to be formed, and, and it's kind of a kind of a bittersweet thing. But uh, just know that uh, when the time comes, and and your leadership stands before you and says that you know we uh, have a pastor that we want to put before you to vote on, uh, I will be one of the ones that will be celebrating um, along with you, even though. Uh, even though it will mean that uh, I will be moving on um, to another to another assignment, but I do love, in many ways, the aspect of being interim. Although my role is very very limited, and there have been times in churches where folks have have, have approached me and said, "Oh, how's come you're not doing A, B, C, and D? You know, that's what pastor, you know, whoever, that's what they would do in this situation." and and, and that is by design and intention uh, from those who uh, are in uh, higher levels of leadership than me, and, and I've embraced that. But let me just be very, very clear. Even though my main function is to stand before you and do my very best to, to break open the bread of life through the scriptures to you, if, if, if there ever is a time where I am needed, I've been in the ministry um, over 20 years, I have a lot of experience, much of it good, some of it not so good. I've seen seen the best in churches and leadership. I've seen some of the underside as well. And and if I can do anything to to help pass on the wisdom that I have gained uh, to to folks, I am more than willing to do that. And if ever I'm needed in, in whatever capacity, I've been known 
thankfully, uh, and in and, and this way, that we're not lying. I've been, I've been known to break a rule or two here and there for, for the good of, good of, for the good of uh, churches, but uh, it has been a blessing uh, to be with you all during these weeks. All right, if you would take your Bibles and open them up to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. We've been in this uh, series, though it's kind of been broken up uh, through the weeks, uh, entitled Blessed, Broken, and Given. And as you're turning to Luke chapter, I guess it would be good to give you a chapter. Luke's kind of a, kind of a big book there, isn't it? Um, Luke uh, chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. No, that's not right. Luke chapter 22. That's right. I got all, uh, I got all uh, ahead of myself and uh, lost my page. All righty. Luke chapter, no, yeah, 22. I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, I'll blame it on my glasses um, because it's not my fault. It's, it's something else. Luke chapter 22. I can't see the big 22 down at the bottom of my Bible here. Luke chapter 22. We're going to be at verse number seven here in just a moment. But uh, we've been talking about blessed, broken, and given and the reality that uh, that our lives are like bread in that they, in many ways, are commonplace, ordinary, uh, just like bread. But in the hands of Jesus, just as in the three occasions that uh, Luke details in his gospel, in the hands of Jesus, something ordinary, such as bread, becomes extraordinary, becomes something sacred. And uh, the last time we looked at this aspect, we looked at the idea that our lives are blessed. We are blessed. You and I are blessed. Despite what may ever be going on in the world around us, and it's a lot at times, the reality remains that because God created us, we are blessed. And we talked about how difficult it is to imagine our ordinary, common, everyday, run-of-the-mill lives actually being blessed and sacred and holy. Yes, that's what exactly happens to our lives when we surrender them to Jesus. To be blessed is to have our identity, our true identity, recovered and restored. It is, in essence, to become who we were made to be, and that is carriers or vessels of the glory of God. You and I are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ to, as I mentioned in the prayer, um, to a world that is lost, and they don't even realize how lost they are in our world. They are broken. They really don't understand how they are broken. And they are dying spiritually. And day and day and day and day, it is getting worse and worse and worse. And the world is becoming darker and darker and darker. And in those times, the light of the church, the light of Jesus that is within us, 
must and has to become brighter and brighter and brighter. And, and as, as his children, we are called to carry the light of the world, Jesus himself, into a world that, quite frankly, is hostile to people like you and me anymore. And we talked about the reality that we are blessed. You and I are, we are blessed. It's easy, it's easy to think about that when you look outside and see just how a beautiful day it is out there today. And this last weekend of summer, and before long, here in a couple of days, it will be fall. And it is just so amazing, the reality of nature and how it is on a day like today, just, just to think about and re realize just how blessed we are. But I want you to realize that here in a few months, when there's about 12 inches of stuff on the ground, and salt, and slush, and muck, and grime, and dirt, and all the mess that comes with that time of year, the reality still remains, you are still blessed. When you're out there shoveling a driveway, wondering why you didn't move to Florida, <laughs> uh, you are blessed. You might have a hurt back, but you are blessed. But this week, I want to talk to you about the second word in that phrase that I gave you uh, for the title of the series. I want to talk to you about the word broken. And we, many times in the church, don't want to, to look into that reality of broken, but the truth remains that you and I are broken. We have been broken. We will be broken again. And we can use that word broken in, in a couple of different ways. Brokenness uh, can be a way to refer to our own failure. I would ask, but it would probably be unanimous, how many of you have ever failed at something in your life? We all have. And I will, I will be transparent and give you a, a glaring portion of that in my own life from just last week. I don't know if you realized it, I was extremely frustrated last week because during um, the time that I was preaching, there were several times when, and you may have thought that I was pausing for effect, but the reality was that I was looking for a word and my brain could not grasp that word. And I couldn't think of it to, for anything. And and, and uh, when those things happen, especially for folks uh, like ministers, I mean, that's, we, we do a lot of speaking, we do a lot of talking, we, we are, that is part of our craft, it is very difficult, and the reality is, is that is kind of a side effect of, of uh, COVID that, uh, that I had a couple of years ago, I was sick for almost a month, and and uh, that's one of the lingering effects uh, of it. And a couple of weeks before that, if you caught it, it was very quick. But if you caught it, another effect that I've had since dealing with that is that there will be at times that, that I stutter. And I never did that before. And they said that it, they gave all their explanations. That's because of the virus and how it 
how it affects the brain and all this. But in my own mind, I thought, man, I blew it. I messed up. And we all fail. We all come short, come up short. And when we do, uh, we miss the mark. When we fail what is required of us in a given situation or even a relationship, we can come face to face with our brokenness. And brokenness can be a way to refer to our own failure at times. But brokenness is also a way about speaking about the fallen world that's outside these walls. When sickness or death occurs, when tragedies happen, we hear creation almost groan. The creaking and cracking of the world, things that are seemingly coming apart at the very seams, all of these are signs of the brokenness of the world. I'll give you an example that I saw from just this morning. Uh, they were talking about a new movie that was coming out, and, and uh, the premise of the, of the movie is a romantic comedy. And normally, in years past, the romantic comedy would be a guy and a girl would meet, and, and everything that would take place in the movie, and at the end, everything went, uh, you know, happily ever after, and, and they move off. But this particular movie that they were highlighting in the news program wasn't about a, a woman and a man. It was about a boy and a boy. And I thought to myself, the reality is our world is becoming more and more fallen every single day. We are becoming more and more broken as a society. And what can Jesus do with our brokenness, be it the failures that we have and we do, we're human, we mess up, we make mistakes, or the reality of, of our fallen world that is broken and falling apart at the seams. Like bread that is broken, does it begin to lose its freshness? Uh, do we become stale and useless? Or does Jesus receive our brokenness into his hands in order to do something many times we would think as miraculous. In Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse uh, 7 this morning, Luke chapter 22, beginning at verse 7, and if you would stand with me please for the, the reading of the word. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples, and he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Verse 14. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and we had given thanks. He said, take this and divide it among yourselves. 
For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for these uh, wonderful illustrations of, of you handling and breaking the bread. And what a beautiful metaphor for our lives. And we understand, Father, that in this uh, particular case, the, the bread was a metaphor of your body. And we understand that though your body was broken upon the, the cruel Roman cross on Calvary, a miracle occurred and the salvation of the world was possible through that breaking of your body and the shedding of your blood. And I pray, Father, today that as we contemplate the reality of our lives as bread, sometimes broken, but in your hands can be transformed into something that we could never even begin to imagine. I pray that you would continue to bless us with your presence during our remain, the remainder of our time here this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Verse 19 says, And he took the bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Uh, this is the second of the three separate occasions in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus takes bread into his hands, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it out. Now the occasion in this particular instance is Passover, and it's a feast, as many of you know, which commemorates God's rescue of his children from Egypt and his judgment of evil. In, in short, Passover is when God dealt with sin and evil. God delivered his people by providing a covering of blood on the doorpost, a, a covering of blood for the sins of the people. And that makes it the perfect place to talk about what Jesus does with our brokenness. Reality is, we have to deal with the brokenness that comes from our own failure. As I mentioned, you and I, we're human. We make mistakes. We uh, at times sin. And we need to discuss that and we need to, to deal with that. You see, in this particular instance, Israel's God provided a sacrifice specifically for the removal of guilt. The most dramatic way sin was dealt with is Israel's worship came on the day of the year known as the Day of Atonement. And many of you know about this. On that day, the high priest would first offer sacrifices to cleanse himself. Then he would select two goats. After laying hands on one goat and imparting to it all the sins of the nation, the priest would then lead that goat out into the wilderness to be the scapegoat. Uh, do you catch the meaning of that act? The goat took the blame and then was led away. 
a picture, a, 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 a visual parable almost of God removing the guilt of sin from his people. The second goat was sacrificed and its blood was sprinkled on the altar inside the Holy of Holies. This goat took the punishment, a picture of God allowing the people to be spared judgment. And that's where you and I come into it because as we have trusted in Jesus, as we uh, claim the blood, as we plunge beneath that crimson flow as the old uh, hymn says, our guilt is taken away and we don't have to fear judgment any longer. In fact, the reality, God looks at each and every one of us despite whatever we may have done because of the blood of Jesus just as if we've never sinned. And it's nothing of us, it's all of Jesus but we are broken, and in our brokenness of our sin, we can find a blessing that removes guilt. And, and all this stuff about goats and priests and temples and sacrifices and, and all of that, it was just a foreshadowing of what was to come in the person of Jesus Christ. There is one priest who was also the sacrifice and in fact was also the temple. Do you remember in the scripture where he told them, destroy this temple, meaning himself, and I will rebuild it again in three days. They thought he was meaning the physical temple, but he was meaning himself. He was so great that he summed up in himself all the three components of the Israelite religion and in doing so, he brought it to its fulfillment, to its culmination, and to its closure. His name is Jesus. Jesus, the great high priest. He is the great high priest. Jesus, the only perfect sacrifice. Jesus, the true temple. In fact, the writer of the letter to the Hebrews was so excited about the way these symbols and elements of Israelite worship came to their fulfillment in Jesus that he could hardly contain himself. And, and like a good preacher, he began by asking a rhetorical question. Perhaps maybe he was hoping for an amen from his readers. In Hebrews chapter 9 and 13 and 14, it says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctified for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from the dead works to serve the living God. Jesus takes the brokenness that we have, the brokenness of our sin, and exchanges it for peace. We have a peace that the Bible says passes all understanding. The reality is because I've trusted, because 
You have trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Though this world is getting darker by the second, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be concerned. As the old preacher said, we've read the back of the book and we know who wins. We know that, yes, this life is going to end. This earthly tent is going to be uh, done away with. It's going to go into the ground, but we are going to come up changed, different. We don't have to fear that day. So many folks, and rightly so, and I understand it, are afraid of death, but the reality is you and I are going to live forever. The real you, your spirit, your soul is going to live forever in one of two locations. So it's not about the reality of whether or not we will live, because we will. The, the question becomes, where will we live? You see, Jesus takes the brokenness of our sin that would separate us eternally from God and, and unfortunately have us in that place of torment called hell. He takes the brokenness of our sin and when he cleanses us and forgives us and washes us, in that moment he gives us peace so that we don't have to fear whatever our last day because we understand and we know and we believe that when we take our last breath on this side of eternity, we will take our first breath over there and we will see him face to face. So Jesus in the reality, deals with our brokenness and gives us peace. But what about the brokenness of the world? How does Jesus deal with that? I mean, truthfully, the world is a mess. I don't know if you realize that. I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is a mess. What if our lives have been broken because of the brokenness of the world? It can happen, and it does happen so many times. Think about Lazarus for just a moment. After his death, his sisters asked Jesus the very question that haunts us at times when we suffer or when those we love suffer. The question first posed as a statement, but in reality it's a question. Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's the question that arises every time pain is disconnected from justice. It's a question that is asked when suffering is a result not of guilt, but of the brokenness of the world. And that question that is asked more often than not, God, could you have prevented this? Did this really have to happen? I mean, it's not as though Lazarus was an enemy because the Bible says that Jesus deeply loved Lazarus. So it wasn't like he was a wicked person. And this must have caused his sisters Mary and Martha to wonder, is there no real justice in the world? Is there no compassion with God? Does God even care? 
And we can look out into our world today and, and we can begin to ask that very same question. We see all the hurt and the disease and the brokenness. Does God even care? The reality is that he does. What we often hope from God is prevention. Prevention in the face of brokenness of the world. Truthfully, you and I want to be spared. We don't want to be bent or bruised by the brokenness of a groaning world, yet for reasons that are beyond our finite minds to grasp, God chooses not to major in prevention. God chooses to do something deeper. He must know that there is something that is better, and we know it as redemption. Redemption. You see it in Lazarus's story. Well, while we often call what Lazarus experienced as a resurrection, the reality is that that's not quite right. Lazarus was raised only to die again. I've often wanted to be, you know, the reporter on the scene, you know, asking Lazarus, well, how do you feel about this? You went through it once, and now you've got to go through it again. So the reality is what happened to Lazarus is more accurately described as resuscitation. He was not raised in the same way that Jesus would be raised because remember when he was brought out of the tomb, what did Jesus say? Cut the death clothes off of him. When Jesus came out of the tomb, he left the death clothes behind. He was not raised in the same way that Jesus would with a perfected and glorified body that is incorruptible. But resurrection is what awaits you and I and all who are in Christ. The, re the resuscitation of Lazarus and what he experienced was a sign of the resurrection to come. It was a clue suggesting what God will do with the brokenness of the world. Resurrection doesn't tiptoe around death. It breaks its power completely. Resurrection is the reversal and undoing of death. That's the power of redemption. Just as resurrection is stronger than death, so redemption is more powerful than prevention. And what does Jesus in this very same passage of scripture tell the sister? I am the resurrection and the life. You see, on the cross, Jesus absorbed the full weight of evil and the judgment of God against it. Jesus became sin that leads to death, and he became the curse that infects the world. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried out to God in, in agony, let this cup of your wrath pass from me. But if there is no other way, paraphrasing, I will drink it, let your will be done. He drained the venom from the serpent and drank the poison to the last. He died to death that is at once sin's wage and God's verdict. And on the third day, God raised him up from the dead. Now because of his resurrection, one day death will be swallowed in victory. Where, O oh, sting, is your where oh, where oh death is your sting only god can take brokenness and bring blessedness from it only god can make blessedness come from brokenness jesus takes the brokenness 
of the world and he gives us hope. Whether the brokenness is from our frailty, our failure, or the fallenness of the world, we are still God's image bearers, image bearers, and there is still, this is still his world. This still belongs to him. The world that he created and the world that he blessed. The sin and suffering uh, that happens, he did not prevent, but they are not beyond his capability to redeem. To be broken is to be opened up to the grace of God. You see, we are broken, at times more so than others. And when we place our brokenness in Jesus' hands, it becomes openness. It is in that brokenness that opens us up to the grace of God and grace that puts us back together. The reality and the goal is to let the grace of God redeem, restore, and repair. There is an old Japanese art of mending broken pottery. Kintsuji, and I don't know if that's the correct term, uh, but I've always been taught that if you don't know the exact pronunciation, pronounce it fast and keep moving. Um, it means golden joinery. It's the art of joining broken pieces of pottery with a liquid resin that resembles gold. The result is a bowl or a vase that is more beautiful, more aesthetically complex, and more valuable than the original piece. That sounds like grace. Grace takes what is broken in our lives and puts it back together in such a way that it is far more beautiful and far more valuable than it was before. So let me ask this as I close today. Where is the brokenness in your life? Is it from your own failure or the fallenness of the world? Let me just encourage you. Just as Jesus broke the bread, but in his hands it became something more. Allow your brokenness to open you up to the grace of God to be something more. When grace comes rushing in, it does not leave us broken in our sin. It heals, it restores, it cleanses and forgives. It makes us new in a way that is more beautiful than we could have ever imagined before. In reality, grace is the gold that holds the broken pieces of you and I together. Let him, let Jesus take your broken life today. Whether once again you've been broken by your own mistakes and failures or by the fallenness of the world, place your broken life in his hands just as the bread that was placed in his hands was broken and symbolic of his death that redeems us all. And when you do that, wonderful, unfathomable things can result from it. Would you stand with me, please, this morning? Father, <clears throat> I thank you for these good folks. And I pray, Father, that today as we taken just a few moments to look at the aspect of brokenness and, and 
this passage of scripture that deals with Jesus taking the bread at the, the Last Supper and, and being a, a wonderful symbol of the death that he was about to experience for, for all of humanity. Lord, I, I know and I, and I understand that all of us are broken, perhaps in different ways. But, Father, I pray today that whether the brokenness that we experience comes from our own failures, from our own sins, or whether it is a result of this broken, spiritually dead world in which we live, I just pray that you would just comfort us with the reality that brokenness in your hands can become so much more. And Lord, you will one day redeem this world. Though it may seem like the enemy is winning, we know that the final victory is yours. And I pray today, Father, that when we deal with times of brokenness, just, just like that, that uh, Japanese pottery and that wonderful, wonderful act of joining the pieces back together, I just pray that we would open our lives up to your grace to put us back together. And we will find, Father, that, that the end, end result is much more than what could have ever been prior. Help us in these days to continually open ourselves and, and allow ourselves to be open to your grace and how you would move in our lives. Lord, help us when we do face those times of brokenness. Help us to remember that it is an opportunity uh, for you to do something uh, extravagant in our lives. And as we continue uh, to follow you, Father, I pray that you would continue to bless us with your presence in these days to come. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.